Howdy, folks. Happy Friday. Thank God it's Friday. Although, I don't know, like every day seems to blend into the next in Buffalo right now. It's rain, 35 degrees. Boy, does it suck. And I know, Russ, you hate Buffalo or you hate the Buffalo weather. I mean, we're getting like, you know, it's 50 here, but it's kind of like dreary. So, you know, it ain't great. Jesus Christ. I mean, it just never stops. It's like, you know, I'd like to see that thing called the sun that the thing called the sun would be nice to see. We did see it yesterday here, so I can't We're on. live, Kev, just to, you know, so okay. uh, I know that you drop lots of expletives. <laughs> so, <laughs> but anyway, uh, let's talk. Let's go go to the pre-show. Go ahead, Russ. Yeah, so, um, you know, yesterday was, was opening day, and, of course, I watched multiple games, watched part of the Yankee game, watched the Met game, was watching Jacob DeGrom's first start for Texas. Boy, he, he, he got hammered. He did. I mean, they were pulling the ball on him. And, you know, his – I couldn't tell what the velocity was because I was watching on the computer, but he didn't look like he was doing anything wrong unless his velocity was down. So, eh, you know, he, he's never had a bad opening day start. Like, this is his first one. So, that's the way it goes. But um, what I took away from opening day was the um, – there are still many challenges – with the new rules and the umpires because there was a point in the Met game where the umpire didn't have enough time to tie his shoelace and watch the time expire on the pitch clock and not call it. Like there's just little things like that, Kev, that, you know, it's good to speed up the game, but there is a point where you're going to burn these umpires out because they can't keep up with the pace. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think the review of the day, though, was is that it did indeed make games faster and, you know, it had more stolen bases. That was fun. Um, yeah. It was like 28 versus like nine, something like that. Yeah, we, we knew steals would be up. But I'm just saying the umpires actually doing their jobs, it has become much harder now because of these new rules. No, it is for sure. I mean, you know, they're going to have to tie their shoes between innings, you know, essentially. <laughs> well, the, the, the thing that got the most attention was Raphael Devers apparently not being ready in the batter's box when it was 10 to 9 Orioles in, in the Orioles Red Sox game. And the, and the umpire called, you know, basically called strike three, said, okay, you're not ready, boom. And that's going to happen, and maybe that'll get these players. I mean, they've Jake, had enough time. To that was probably called against them in the Yankee game. Now, yeah. I'll tell you an inequity, though, that happened in the Met game. So there was a throw over to first that was unsuccessful, but, it, but Pete Alonso took an extra second or two to get back on the bag, and what the umpire did was he gave a strike to Jeff McNeil. And it's like, hold on, that's not supposed to be the way this works. It's supposed to, it should only work against the batter, <clears throat> against the team. Now, in typical Jeff McNeil fashion, that gave him two strikes, and he still got a base hit and drove in a run because <laughs> he's hard to strike out. But it's just those kinds of things, Kev, like their umpires got to be careful with that. Yeah, no, you're. You're right. Um, but, you know, we've seen in the NHLs, you know, it just takes a while. These are elite-level athletes. They adjust pretty yeah. quickly. So, oh, yeah. yeah, I expect we're going to, you know, have this kind of all worked out. Um, well, the, the one the one thing, Kev, that I was, I was surprised at, and it's like, okay, we know that when there's a base runner who can steal, 
on first base, you know, the pitcher. And they're limited now. I think it's two times they right. go over. A couple times with, with San Francisco Giant players who were on base yesterday, the first baseman was not even at the bag. He was like a couple feet in front. It was It was almost like it was just – okay, I'm throwing over for the sake of throwing over. It wasn't to throw over to try to pick the guy off. It was it was bizarre. I, I, I've never yeah. really seen that that much. But there was a bad narrative going around. Like for the Met game, Buck Showalter had decided that um, there's a certain fragility to the runner if the two throws have been thrown and there's not going to be as many steals. Meanwhile, um, uh the old Philly, um, he used to be second base shortstop. Uh, Jimmy Rollins? No, no, no. He's still in baseball. I forget his name. Okay. Latin guy. He he basically had his base stolen, except um, there was a, uh, a foul ball, so he had to go back and then eventually hit into a double play. But he had his base stolen while the Mets were saying on the broadcast, this is what Buck said, and it's going to be harder to steal. It is not going to be harder to steal. We had Howard Johnson on a call. And he said it will, you know, I asked him about it because I said I thought it would be much easier to steal. And he was an 80%, 75% steal guy for his career, uh, former Tiger, as Kevin knows. And and he said no doubt, no doubt stealing would be up. And Segura is the guy you were probably yeah, talking Segura. about. Yeah, Segura. So that's, you know, that's a big factor because now maybe not everybody's going to go, but guys who could read pitchers and can see even with like what a pitcher's doing. Like if he is taking an extra two seconds to throw to the plate and the pitcher has already thrown over twice, that guy's going. Yeah. yeah. But I think that's good. I think yeah. that running in baseball is good. And it's, I like it. You throwing the ball around, a lot of things happen. So I love see I I I like running in baseball, but I think the misconception is and I know that we talked about it when they, they implemented all these new rules. I don't think that the bag being three inches bigger is the main factor in why steals are going to be up. It's going to be the fact that the pitchers can't can only throw over to the bag twice. And then if they do it twice, then you know he can't throw over to first base. So then it's almost free reign. So I think that's it's it's both in concert with each other. Now, what will happen is and we're already seeing it. I'm noticing that third base coaches are sending guys more freely because with the bigger bases you could cut the bag and cut it more than you used to be able to and it's making it harder to throw guys out at the plate now my issue with this one kev is they they made this easier to base run but they made it harder for catchers to get these guys out because you're not allowed to block the plate i i think that's a problem yeah although yeah, I, I like the rule that you can't block the plate because it just leads to too many injuries. So yeah. Ray Fossey was right. You get what I'm saying now. now yeah, no, no, you're right. And that the the outfield throw is a is a fun play as well. So yeah. Okay, let's get the show started. Hello, hockey world. Today is Friday, March 31st, 2023. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. Kevin Allen. And I'm Michael Lagello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on hockeybuzz.com. Um, or let's start with this because Russ, you were on the conference call with Marty Walsh, the new head of the NHLPA, taking over from Donald Fear. Uh, there were a number of questions asked to him. The one that was the, uh, that piqued the most curiosity was the debate over escrow. He was asked about escrow and uh, the salary cap, and uh, currently next year, if things stay as is, 
uh, the cap will go up a million bucks. Um, he was asked about the salary cap, and he said, that, you know, he just briefly discussed it with Gary Bettman, but um, they would be in favor of increasing the salary cap, but then put the caveat there of, well, we're not going to adjust the percentage of escrow, which, sorry, if you don't do that, then the cap's not going to go up, or at least not much. So what, what, do you th- what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, my, my basic thought was his marching orders from the players was, we want our money back. We're not moving the escrow. And that's fine. And just like you said, that will affect free agency for certain players this summer, and those players will end up paying the price for that price. So, because they're not going to get the deals that they wanted until the cap goes up like that $3 million that everybody wants. So there's going to be a, a price to pay for, for some of the players, but that's that's the yin and the yang of being part of a players association is, again, the players associations are great, but the problem with them are the top players never lose. The top players, if you're in that top 5 to 7% of the league, you don't lose anything. If you're a player that is going to be in the league for five years, maybe seven, there's problems for you. Well, Kevin, here's the misconception, and we've talked about this a number of times. The players don't understand the concept of escrow, where Russ just said, well, the players, what was it, You do, the players don't want to give up their money. They already got their money. That's the whole point of escrow. I know, but their perception is, you know, we're not giving right. up anymore. And they their perception is we lose it every year. Yeah, well, yeah, but – it's just, you know, the, the people who will suffer will be the people who are free agents this summer. That's, you know, and the majority of people, you know, will not lose out. You know, if you've already got a contract, um, you know, you don't want the salary cap to go up. Right. You know, so, you know, but, but you're right. No one seems to get it. It's, it's just to make sure that you get the proper um, percentage of money the players do and, it's the only way to do it. I mean, there are other ways to do it, but players don't like those any better. So I think the one thing we have to come to grips here is um, even though the players want to be in this partnership with the league, they feel like they're more important than the owners. They do. Well, and they I mean, act like they are, and they want more money as a result. And that's the ultimate problem here is because if they were true 50-50 partners, they would take place – they would take part in more losses, but they don't want any part of that. But if no. I'm if I'm Tyler Bertuzzi or Ryan O'Reilly or any of the big free bigger free agents, I'm pissed off because you know now the the, the amount of money that like say say Ryan O'Reilly wants to stay in Toronto, which I've heard is a is a possibility. Okay, the amount that he's going to be able to get is limited because the Leafs are going to have to pay Nealander or and or Tavares or and or uh, Matthews. Um, this, this summer, the, you know, they want to re-sign Michael Bunting. They got other guys they want to sign. There's just so many people that they can sign, and there are other teams, Kev, that like that that are contenders that could use that three or four extra million dollars if the cap did go up. Where if it goes up one, and I I would listen to Elliot Friedman, and he said that they might it might be able to go up as much as two without adjusting escrow. But you know, two million bucks that's not a that's not a lot of wiggle room. No. No, it isn't, and um, but you know it's still um, the number of people who are free agents is you know not in the majority. So um, you know, uh, 
it it just depends on you know who you want to have the advantage this summer so i mean the team certainly would like you know more money and the thing about it is there's no risk for owners because uh, you know you raise the cap you know they're going to get it back if they overspend so right um you know so that's the and that's why you have escrow yeah. but it is i mean you know the players are going to get their 50 percent. it's just a matter of you know they may get uh 52 percent during the season and they have to get you know two percent back or ten yeah. percent back <laughs> which yeah. is more likely so um Ross, I, because uh, I just wrote a piece for Full Press on uh, Devin Levi, who is going to make his NHL debut tonight. Um, uh, we'll talk about that first because that'll lead into where the Sabres are in the playoff race right now. And I don't think that they would be starting Levi had they not fallen seven points out of the playoff race. I think it's safe to say that the, their chances are fairly uh, remote. Um, but you know, a 21-year-old goaltender who is two-time goalie of the year in the NCAA, you know, was the third-string goalie on the Olympic team for Team Canada, played from the World Junior. You know, he's got a very storied career, a very, you know, uh, awarded career. But jumping from Northeastern to the NHL is something that, you know, that I don't think that this is a debut, but I don't think this is like the start of his NHL career in terms of like being the starter next year, I'd be shocked if that's the case. Yeah. One more thing also about the new um, director. Uh, he sort of painted himself as like the everyman union guy and not yeah. as fancy as Donald fear. I think that's an important thing because I think the players like chose him because of that. That's, mm -hmm. that's my guess. Even though he was in Biden's cabinet, that's just my feeling. Anyhow, as far as Devin Levi, no, I don't think this will spark his NHL career, but this will get his feet wet. This will get their staff knowing where he stands compared to uh, other NHL goalies. I just think they picked the wrong team. I mean, I had said two days ago, why aren't you doing this against the Flyers? Because the Flyers have trouble generating shots. And the Flyers, even though they scored four goals yesterday, they only had 11 shots on goal. The Rangers generate shots. And I just think that's more problematic for a young goalie and just seemed like a no-brainer to do it the other way. But, hey, at some point you got to make your debut. I think he'll be fine. I do think there'll be a lot of – the problem also with the Rangers is they have such tricky veterans that they're going to try all the tricks on him, shooting off his back, shooting off his back skate. You know, and, and I just hope he doesn't get embarrassed out there. Yeah, I mean, Kevin. It, it, I mean, the Rangers played last night against New Jersey, so they're not going to be exactly fresh. It's going to be Halak and goal instead of Shesterkin. I mean, there are some factors that you know. I, I honestly think that the Sabers did it because you know it's a Friday night and uh, you know big crowd and the, you know it, 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 the kid has been sitting around for a couple weeks. So I, I, if I agree with Russ, I would have found a, a softer landing spot than the Rangers. But, I mean, a 21-year-old goaltender, it's going to be a challenge for him. For sure. And, you know, no matter – I mean, you can try to manipulate the environment so he has his best opportunity, and you try to do that. But ultimately, the schedule kind of dictates, you know, what your options are. And uh, no matter who you face, you know, that first time has to be your first time. And, you know, he's going to be nervous and there'll be some jitters. And, um, you know, who knows? Uh, you know, he may be a kid that just needs a lot of shots. 
Um, so, I mean, we'll kind of have to see. But I, I agree with your assessment. I don't think this means that he's going to be an early uh, starter necessarily. I just think they probably, this was part of the handshake agreement that, uh, uh, hey, look, we'll bring you up. We'll give you a little taste and um, you'll have some fun. And, you know, you're you're always selling hope, too. That's part of the marketing of the team. You know, the Buffalo fans are um, very knowledgeable and they get that, you know, he's not uh, prime time ready. Um, so, but they'll be able to sort of look at him and have an idea of, you know, what kind of player they're going to get. So, I, you know, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, the Red Wings are doing that with Marco Casper. They, you know, it's a strange move, but I was gonna- like an hour after last night's game, they dropped a press release that they had brought up uh, Marco Casper from, promoted him from Rogel, you know, where the Rogel's obviously done. Uh, they were eliminated in the Swedish hockey. And, you know, usually you're trying to get the maximize the public relations value of it, but there's no public relations value when you announce it uh, just before midnight uh, <laughs> that you're going to do that. So I'm not sure what that was all about. You know, they gave no details, so we're not really sure that there's been kind of rumors that he is going to play perhaps tonight in Winnipeg, but we don't really know that because no one has uh, spoken about it or gave out any information. So. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see. But, you know, that could be another deal where they had just promised, yeah, you know, we're going to give you a chance to to play and let the fans, you know, take a look at you and that sort of. But, you know, they're going to do it on the road. They're not doing it at home. Which well, that's, yeah. that's that's the interesting thing because this is the time of the year, and I obviously because I cover the Leafs for Hockey Buzz, I'm I'm tracking what what's going on with them. And a lot of their European prospects whose teams have been eliminated from the SHL or the Liga playoffs – are coming over. Toby Nimala is coming over. Hervinen may come over soon. Uh, Dennis Hildeby, who was their fourth round pick, uh, he was with Fariestad. They got eliminated. They all went to the Marlies. They all went to the AHL team. Now, I know Detroit is obviously uh, not going to make the playoffs, and I don't know what the position of Grand Rapids is, but I would I would have thought that you know if they bring Casper over, they would play, play with Grand Rapids and not throw him right into the NHL unless they think he's ready for it. Well, there's two things. First of all, they did send um, Carter Mazur to Grand Rapids. They did send William uh, Wallander um, there as well. Um, But I, you know, Grand Rapids isn't probably going to make the playoffs. They're seven points out. So there's no going to be no extended uh, time there. But, um, you know, I, I, again, I think they just, uh, there is, a belief that um, Mazer could challenge for a uh, spot on next year's Red Wings roster. Um, that's not necessarily Eiserman's MO, but if you can prove yourself as uh, Lucas Raymond did uh, two seasons ago when he came up and he was good in training camp, he was good in preseason, they just put him on the roster. Well, then, you know, I guess the, they would do that, but. It seems more likely that he'll end up on Grand Rapids, but I don't think it hurts anyone just to bring him up and, you know, let him play a couple of games and just get a taste of it all. And, um, you know, he's been the number one center for Rogel, and he's 18 years old. So the kid obviously is an advanced player. Um, but, you know, like he scored a little bit, but not uh, – he had eight goals uh, – um, I think he is in the 20s in terms of points in 50 games. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how he does. 
All right, let's we'll do the opposite of what we normally do when we look at the the overall playoff picture. Or the you know, we start we'll start with the West because everybody thinks that we we ignore the West. Um, really tight races in both divisions. I mean, and and the the wild card race has gotten tighter as well. Uh, start in the Central, Minnesota has a three-point lead, and Dallas and Colorado are both tied at 94 points with the same amount of games. And honestly, Kev, I look at this picture, and again, I would be the one. I don't want to play Colorado in the first round. So, if you know, depending on where, whether Colorado makes it up to first place or not, but if I'm Dallas and I'm Minnesota, my main goal is avoid the avalanche. Yeah, I mean, you could certainly see that, although – you know, eventually you gotta. If you're gonna, if you think you're a Stanley Cup uh, contender, you you know you gotta beat some good teams. So I mean, I do agree that you'd rather have them later than sooner. But um, you know, uh, I that, that's probably a concern, but I don't think it's one that's keeping them up at night because you know they gotta get to, uh, there. But you know, I I'm still kind of surprised. Like the Colorado going in that game against Minnesota talked about the importance of that game because Minnesota obviously um, has uh, played well this season and people see them as a real kind of sleeper cup contender. And, uh, you know, they didn't win that game. Colorado didn't win that game. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, Minnesota is, 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 you know, not a top-notch offensive team, and yet they outscored the Colorado Avalanche. So Colorado, well, by the way, like this is without Kaprizov. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that the Colorado, by the way, has crept up. Um, they're like in the middle of the pack now as an offensive team. For so long, they were you know down in the twenties. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, so I don't know. I mean, I I don't know what to make of Colorado because I, it's almost like they're waiting for Landis Cog um, to kind of show up and everything's going to be all right. But there's a danger in that when you oh, because. Yeah. Because, you know, he hasn't played, um, you know, like there seems to be some concern about his health long term. He, he hasn't even practiced yet. I, I just I just did a search on uh, on Twitter, and there's video of him skating before the practice, so not even right. practicing with the group. And we're, we're two weeks out of the playoffs. Usually yeah, – I call this Peter Forsberg syndrome because any team yeah. Forsberg's ever been on – they were always so reliant on him that when he was out, they'd all be like waiting for him to come back and it will fix everything. And so I get what Kevin's saying because I'd seen it up close with Forsberg. Yeah. yeah. And they and they have other they have other injuries too. I mean, Lekkinen got hurt. Yeah. He's yeah. Still out. Manson is out. Uh, so yeah, they're I mean the, the what that team is with those guys and without those guys are two different things. I mean, they're doing great right now. I mean, they're they've climbed back into the race for first place, but they're a different team if those guys are in there. Yeah, uh, really, the best team out there in the West has been LA. You know, they've really kind of turned it up, um, and we'll have to see. You know, there's always a lot of discussion about you know peaking at the right time and all that stuff, um, and um, well, the inter the interesting thing is that the the in a potential first round preview, uh, the Oilers and the Kings played last night, and the Oilers actually shut somebody out, which was a miracle, two nothing. Stuart Skinner, of course, with the shutout. Um, but yeah, I mean, since the deadline, the Kings have played fantastic, and in that division right now, again, it's really really tight. It's just it's I mean, 
any one of the three, Vegas, LA, or Edmonton, could finish in first place. And in this instance, uh, like I don't want to play Edmonton in the first round. But if you're Ve- maybe if you're Vegas, you may have the you may have the confidence that you can beat them and shut them down, or at least I think limit. Vegas them. just needs to be healthy. So I think the fact that they clinched and it's Eichel's first ever playoff. Yes. Um, and they still, I think, would rather go with Logan Thompson because they used him that other day and he was really good. Now they really can sit him for the rest of the season that they want and just put him in for like 20 minutes of the last game to see how he operates. It's a nice fallback to have to have quick. Yeah. I mean, if, if Thompson can't go, you got a guy who's won two Stanley Cups. So I, I still think they're going to try and go with Thompson if they can, because I think that's, that's their best shot. Kev, I mean, I, I mean, I, if I'm, if I'm the coach there, I, I'm, you know, if I'm Cassidy, I, I'm probably going, I, I, you know, Thompson hasn't proven anything. I mean, he proved something down the stretch last year, and he was good early on. Then he gets hurt. If he's 100%, then I say, yeah, you're right. Russ is right. Go with him. But if there's any doubt, I mean, you've got a guy who is yeah. playing well for you. I, w- I would go with quick. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's an easy call, I you know, because Logan Thompson is your future. You've signed blocked him in, you know, quick as a, you know, as a quick fix, so to speak, and so you're just trying to sort it out, but yeah, I mean, if they're not sure about Thompson's health, and I, I, you know, you go with the guy who has a resume of success. Um, but otherwise, um, you know, I still think uh, there's a um, a probability that Thompson, you know, will be the guy. Now Seattle beat Anaheim last night, sticking a fork into X theory that the Seattle Kraken are going to fall out of the playoff race. They have 90 points. Um, They're seven points ahead of Calgary uh, and have a game in hand. So I think, I don't say they're safe. They're, you know, home and cooled out, but I think, you know, if you're talking about percentages of making the playoffs, Seattle was in in a nice spot. It's coming down though, to win to the, the, um, the Canadian, the Middle Canada battle between the Jets and the Flames. The Flames have 83, the Jets have 85. Seven game, each have seven games remaining. Russ, I give Winnipeg the advantage because of Hellbuck, but Calgary is within range. They're within range. I still don't believe in them. Though. I don't. I know they're within range. I don't like the way they've been coached this year. I don't trust their goaltending down the stretch. I just think they're going to blow it down the stretch. It's not great analysis, but it's my gut feeling. Yeah, yeah I mean, they've given themselves a chance, uh, um, you know, by getting within striking distance. And, you know, I don't really love Winnipeg uh, uh, this season. So, I don't know. We'll see. I uh, I just wouldn't want to guess. Um, but I, 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 do I, I think I'd like Calgary better than Winnipeg, but that's not saying much. Yeah. Now, uh, switching to the East, um, the race, uh, I mean, okay, Boston beats Columbus yesterday and locks up the President's Trophy. Gee, I'm shocked. Um, You know, now they've got six or seven games where, I mean, let's just say this, they're probably going to give Bergeron and Marchand and a lot of their veteran guys a game off here or there. Yeah, Bergeron took a shot in the face yesterday with a stick, dirty (laughs) shot. So um, I forgot who it was that hit him. So that caused a, a thing in the game. So, yeah, they're going to probably sit on. Yeah, I mean, it, it it would be dumb, Kev, if they didn't do it. I mean, you know, don't sit them up for yeah. seven 
games, but, you know, give your veteran guys, Krejci and Bergeron and the important guys, a game off here or there, rest them, get them ready for what, you know, the, everybody thinks is going to be a long playoff run. It only makes sense. And I think Montgomery. Lane Paul, Peterson. Was it Lane Peterson? Okay. Cross check to his face, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I I'd, I'd be shocked if they don't do that, especially with the fact that they, you know, now they've locked up the president's trophy. That was the only thing in their only thing on their checklist that hadn't been checked off yet. Yeah, and I, I mean, I agree with you that the logic says that's what you do because you want you know, you want guys fresh. I mean, what do you hear every time a team has a long? Um, you know, wait in order to start the next series as they get healthy and everybody feels better. But you also hear that because there are, there are guys that just want to keep playing mm-hmm. um, and they just don't like taking days off. And, sure. you know, I remember a couple of players, in fact, more than a couple have told me through the years that if they feel like if they took, uh, uh, you know, if they didn't skate for 48 hours, they fell out of shape. So, you know, there, there are guys that, you know, they feel like they're a finely tuned well, that's why coaches have these optional skates because every time they try and tell players not to show up to the rink, they still show up. They still Mark, show up, yeah. Mark Giordano, who's 39 years old, who's the oldest player on the Leafs, he skates every optional skate. Yeah. They they had to, I, they sat him out last week. I'll bet you they had to drag him kicking and screaming yeah. from not playing in that game. Well, I used to, I, I used, I've brought this up before, but uh, you know, Bruce Boudreaux used to hide Timo Solani's skates, and <laughs> he tried everything, and then Solani would still show up, and he said, "Bruce, you know, I can borrow skates. It's not like you know, <laughs> you know, they, you know." Then he ordered everybody not to help Timo get skates, but you know, just they tried everything, and Timo would just keep playing. I got to mention that because I mentioned the Lane Peterson. And then later in that game, Trent Frederick knocked him out with one punch. There were a couple games, <clears throat> that and the Flyers game, with a lot of fighting. Like, the Flyers game ha- actually had Alex Dabrinkit go up against Joel Farabee. And I, a fight? In a fight. And I was shocked at the punches that Dabrinkit was landing. Now, he is a pretty well-built, smaller guy. Don't get me wrong. But I've never seen this guy fight in his entire career where I've, you know, where I've seen Faraby fight, but I'm not sure it's smart based on coming off that neck surgery. But at any rate, a uh, lot of fights, you know, Deloria. Deloria got into two fights in the same. Before he even got to the uh, penalty box. Like it was, <laughs> it was a crazy night for that. And I'm just kind of wondering if, um, for lack of a better terms, is this, these teams just don't give a shit now down the stretch. So they're going to just start letting letting loose well i mean kev i ottawa clearly in my mind is one of those teams that doesn't give a shit because they have guys like costellic and austin watson and you know we know brady kachuk likes to stir it up even though he's an incredibly skilled player they got a lot of tough guys on that team and toronto's playing them tomorrow night and wayne simmons was not at practice this morning so they called up Russ, they called up six foot seven inch Radim Zahorna from the A from the AHL. Why do you think? Yeah, I wonder why. Gee. Yeah. No, <laughs> I mean there's still some of that left in the league, but uh thankfully it's it's not rampant. So No, no, well, but it just seems like, you know, down the stretch here, yes. Um, we're gonna see more of it because it's just like this is what teams are deciding to do. I, I don't know. One thing I wanted to mention about the um, the Rangers-Devils game. So, uh, in this game, you know, Patrick Kane had one great pass. That's it. Uh, he is slowing down their team, though. 
and the Devils are matching it up that way. Now, the Rangers didn't get blown out, and Shesterkin was good, but the Rangers were noticeably slow that entire game. So it's a situation now where they're all expecting playoff hockey to be slower. Mm-hmm. But, Kev, if the Devils decide they're not going to play that slower playoff hockey, they're really going to give the Rangers a problem if they match up. Yeah, I mean, that could be a great series, uh, you know. Um, you know, it really does feel like it did in the '90s, and uh, in terms of where that rivalry is going, uh, you know, not in terms of you know the fan situation, but just in terms of the competitiveness of each team and the ability um, to you know produce offense. Like I, I think that could be just a terrific series. But you know, the Rangers have such a distinct advantage in goal, they um, and uh, you know that's well, that uh, was great yesterday. He was. Well, Play, I mean, Vanacek played well in that that game-saving play by Ryan Graves late in the third period. I, I watched the third yeah. period of that game, and the only thing, the only thing I could say about the about the Rangers, Russ, is that they were overpassing the puck, especially. Oh, yeah, were. yeah, it was Panarin back to Kane, back to Panarin. Somebody shoot the puck. You need you do, you can't pass the puck into that. You have to shoot it. But you and, can see, like when the Rangers are, had the Kane line out there. And they're in the offensive zone. If they don't go deep or have a major chance, uh, the other team just goes right down the ice the other way. And Kane is way behind on defense. And so they teams are going to take advantage of that. And they are. And the Devils did. But that's that's a series, Kev, that I don't think home ice matters at all because there'll be so many Ranger fans in Newark that it's going to feel like a MSG. It's going to feel like a home game. Yeah, that's just the nature of the beast, and that isn't going to change anytime in the near future. So, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, for everyone who thought kind of the Devils were going to cave, I mean, they really haven't. Uh, you know, they, you know, they haven't been as sharp obviously lately, but um, uh, they've they've still had an impressive season. Even Vanacek uh, has been better than he's been really good, better than I thought. Yeah, yeah, he's he's played, he's played well and. You know, you know the reason the Rangers have an advantage in goal is just should Sturkin is just a terrific goaltender, is all. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and, you know, and Sorokin just gives the Islanders the same sort of situation there. Like he's just so capable of, you know, um, being the. He's doing it so far. Him and Engvall was a big pickup for them because that, that was Engvall, huge. Yeah. He's played well for them. I mean, and that see that's the thing. Engvall and obviously I've known him since he. Yeah was with the Marlies winning a Calder Cup in 2018 and then playing for the Leafs. Engvall's got a lot of talent. The problem is is that concentration-wise, he has gaps of 10, 12 games where you don't even notice him on the ice. And then he'll skate like the wind. He's powerful skater, big kid with a good shot. He, when he applies himself, he's really good. And he's a UFA at the end of the year. So he's selling his wares right now. He's motivated. You know, probably not pissed off at Toronto because Toronto gave him every opportunity, but he's playing. You but know, he's getting a better. He he has a, a more opportunity to score with the uh, Islanders. He's playing top six with them. Yes. Yeah, and yes. he was a third. It was a third line guy mostly with Toronto. Right. So, but uh, so let me just uh, in the Metro, you've got Carolina only up by a point on New Jersey. So it's one hundred three for Carolina, one hundred two for New Jersey. Carolina's got a game in hand, and the Rangers at ninety eight. So. It might not be New Jersey Rangers. It could be Carolina Rangers, depending on who wins that division. I got to tell you, public support for Carolina, Kev, 
is dropping like a stone. Like it's like a bad day on Wall Street. Ever since this injury, there's less belief in in Carolina now for sure. Yeah, it's, I think that's fair. And uh, you know, they're just you know they weren't a, a great offensive team anyway. But when you take Pasharetti, because um, you know they they sought to address that with yes. the offseason acquisition of Pasharetti and. Um, and then you take Shvechnikov out. I mean, that's essentially, in their mind, 60 goals. Uh, yeah. And, um, you know, they just don't have the firepower to make up for that. So they're going to have to really rely on that uh, defense. Uh, I watched them last night. That defense is still really good. But, oh, yeah. you, know, the, um, you know, like it really limited the Red Wing shots. But uh, – Anderson gave up a couple of goals that I think he'd like to have back. So, um, you know, if you're not going to get quality goaltending, it doesn't matter how many goals you get. Right. There's as, there's as much confidence in Carolina as there is in Silicon Valley Bank, right, Russ? Yeah, pretty much. Um, so, so okay, and in the Atlantic, the battle is for second place. Uh, the Leafs are up four points on the, on the Lightning. The Lightning won last night against the Capitals 5-1. T.J. Oshie got hurt in that game. Um, I mean, obviously the Capitals are out of it, but uh, the Leafs are only up by four points, but they have two games in hand on Tampa. The caps I wanted to mention. Yeah, go ahead. Sammy Silver had put up a quote um, about DJ Oshie, who basically said, listen, there's going to be days where I'm going to have trouble walking after games here for the rest of my you know, time here. So he's really like this knee injury, I guess, that he has gotten fixed and whatever is going to hamper him, you know, He's, he's essentially going to be like Steve Eiserman, not give up playing, but going to like be limping around. Yeah. When he was playing. That, that, that sucks. Um, yeah. Now, so, so yeah, Toronto is two, uh, four points ahead of Tampa Bay with two games in hand. Um, the Leafs have the, mo- the most games other than Buffalo left to play in the NHL. Um, the wild card race, the Islanders seem to be in a good position, four points up on Florida, but Kev, Pittsburgh, Florida, one point separating them. Pittsburgh has seven games left. Florida has six. Florida won last night. So did so did Pittsburgh. Um, I, I think Florida, you know, I mean, they're probably going to have to play Bobrovsky every game down the stretch, even though Alex Lyon got them. He's won a few here now. Won a few that he beat Toronto, but you would think that Bobrovsky's going to have to run the table. Yeah, I mean, Bobrovsky was sick uh, yesterday. Uh, that's yeah. why he didn't play. Um, but – I would agree with you. Two, you know, pretty big wins for Florida, um, and uh, in the back-to-back situation, Matthew Kachuk, um, you know, you can't say enough about him. You know, whatever's going on in Florida this season, it certainly was You know, a second consecutive hundred-point season. You know, only the fourth American to to do that. I'll be honest, I didn't see that coming from him uh, a second time. I just didn't. Yeah. No. No. And. Uh, you know, he had four points, uh, you know, last night, and uh, uh, I think that's his fifth career hat track. He, he, you know, he's just really playing at a real high level. And afterward, I was just reading the quotes, and, um, you know, he really didn't want to talk about the 100 points. Uh, you know, what he wanted to talk about is, you know, we got to win. We got to win every night. You know, he's he's so much like his father um, where, you know, he's the ultimate team guy. and uh, He's a better um, all-around player than his father, though. Yeah, I mean, he's more skilled for yeah. sure. Can, so. can 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 we just have this debate for a second? Because I had this debate a couple of weeks ago with somebody. Which is the better Kachuk? 
because honestly, I mean, okay, Matthew is fantastic, and so is Brady. I think in the end, Brady is going to be better than Matthew. I, he brings the intimidation um, factor that Matthew, um, you know, he's got enthusiasm for that project, but sure. he's not nearly as uh, intimidating. And Brady seems to relish it. You know, oh, he, he loves it. it. He was doing yeah, it again last it. night with the Flyers, and yeah, he's, he's mildly and. You know, so I, I think it's Brady. He's two years <clears throat> younger. He's already getting, you know, he's got 34 goals, 78 points. Like he, yeah. he does those other things. Like Kevin said, it was those other things that I made me rank him second um, in his draft class because he just causes so much havoc besides being super talented. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I like, you know, I just like that whole family, um, yeah. you know, uh, Walt Kachuk, well, really Keith Kachuk, but everybody calls him Walt. He's, uh, um, you know, he set the the tone for those boys. They played the way he played. Keith Kachuk, Walt. What do they actually call Walt Kachuk? Pardon me. If they call Keith Kachuk Walt, who do? Yeah. What do they actually call Walt Kachuk, which is his real name for the Rangers? Russ, only uh, only us of our generation know the, what I that know. reference is in because right. everybody. It thinks Keith Kachuk and you know the greatness of him and his two sons. But there was a Walt Kachuk to play for the Rangers, and he right. was a very good player too. Really good player, yeah. Yeah, Brady Kachuk told me the sister was the best athlete in the family. So, Funny. you know, so um, yeah. I mean, the the Kachuks, you know, that you want them on your team. It's amazing that Keith is not in the Hall of Fame with five hundred thirty some goals. And I don't understand you know. it. I'll be honest because. He was a top U.S. player. He he won with the World Cup team. He was a tremendous scorer in the league. Like, what didn't he do? Yeah, no, I know. For sure. Russ, we, we have to bring up our favorite subject, and that's the Arizona Coyotes oh, and yeah. the city of Tempe. Go. <laughs> yeah, it's gotten bad now. There's a, a lawsuit. If you remember, um, and Kevin may remember, I brought up the fact that Besides having to vote for three articles in this in this election, that there was uh, a trash area that you know basically the site that the city was going to have to pick up as far as the cost, and you never know what it's going to be or how polluted it is until you're in it. But then I had said the other thing was with this airport that they were planning on building that it was going to be flying over people's houses or you know these new in this new in this new setup, and this is what the city of Tempe is now suing over. Um, and so now, and apparently, you know, the coyotes are really mad. They're, they, there's quoted a quote that says we took them at their word, uh, but the city has filed a lawsuit. I imagine that's going to affect how the voters view this Kev. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm t yeah. It doesn't, and it hasn't felt for a long time. Like their best option is this uh, new arena. Like I still think it's going to be with the coyotes. Uh, well or with the uh, sons, so. Yeah, well, okay, here, okay, and here is a possible situation. We we know that, we know that Gary Bettman always has a plan. We know that he always has a backup. You know, it's like, you know, Atlanta, the, the owners of the Thrashers threw the keys on the table and said, we're not interested, and immediately they went to Winnipeg. Well, Ellie Freeman reported something pretty interesting in his 32 Thoughts column, talked about it on their podcast. Apparently, Gary Bettman... Uh, when the NBA was having their board of governors meeting this this uh, earlier this week in New York, had dinner with uh, the owner of the Utah Jazz, Ryan Smith. Now, 
apparently Salt Lake City is going to be in the mix for the Olympics and the Winter Olympics in 2030. And if that's the case, they're going to build a new building for to for to play hockey. Um, and that might be a new building for the Jazz. And gee, maybe there's a possibility that a team could be moved or an expansion franchise in Salt Lake City. I, I don't know, Russ. I mean, we, we know the 2002 Olympics were played there, and we know that there's solid ownership because apparently the part time part owner of the Devils, uh, David Blitzer, is involved uh -huh. with Smith uh, with the MLS franchise. Well, the there. only thing I question is like they had an AHL franchise there, and it didn't do well. Yeah, it was the it was the it was the Blues AH it was the Blues team, and then they had an IHL franchise there too. Yeah, the, I, as I recall, the IHL franchise did pretty well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, Russ, it, I, I don't think it's okay. But it's still two years out, so that means they still would have to continue their deal on the college campus. Right, which is the the, the, the what they probably, really want to do. The league doesn't really want to do that. Well, they've got don't. There is an arena in Salt Lake. Yeah, there's an arena for the Jazz. I just don't know if it's NHL capable. Right. I don't know if it's. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't heard that it well, is. Well, they, they played. They played some hockey there. Yeah. Uh, they, could, they, could, they could get away. They could get away with that. And if they get the bid for the Olympics, then they're building a new building. It's got. It's got to be bigger than the Arizona State College. Right, so. <laughs> My backyard is bigger than the Arizona State. Yeah. yeah so I mean, I, I let's just say this. I the signs are there with with when it comes to the Coyotes. I mean, I've been advocating this for years. They they just don't, you know, the, the area, if you give them a good building and a good team and build the building in the right, but at a certain point, all this stuff, it's like, okay, it's just not working. I know they want to keep them there because it's a top 10 uh, uh, television market and there's a, it's a, got a, a, a ridiculous uh, amount of people there. But at a certain point, Kev, you got to say, this isn't working. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, you got to look at the options too, though. I mean, there, sure. I don't think they really like any of their options for moving that team. So, um, yeah, I, and, and, um, Kings played I, a preseason game. I, I think the Salt Lake thing makes some sense because then you still have that kind of corridor of Western teams. It looks like well. Maverick Center, where the Grizzlies play in the ECHL, can seat 12,000. Okay, so if if there isn't the the cooling system and the piping and all that stuff for where the Jazz play, then they could get away with that while they're building a building, and that's three times the size of what is Arizona State right but now. Again, it's just amazing to me that the Coliseum wasn't good enough, so it had to go through renovations. But now the NHL has lowered the standards because it's the Coyotes to the point where they're playing on a college campus, and maybe this would be okay. You know what I mean? Like. They, see him kevin that wasn't that long ago yeah well I, yeah i mean the problem with the uh yeah well it's it's <laughs> hypocritical i see no, the na the yeah. nhl has bent over they've contorted themselves they've bent over they've, they've done a houdini when it comes to the coyotes to, to i never thought that they would play in a four thousand seat arena i thought that would be the last draw no, no they did it but at a certain point, if they don't get this building, if the if the the vote in May is no no go, then I, I think I, I would hope that that's the last straw. Oh, that 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 is not the last straw. Okay. <laughs> of course not. Like, not. like I don't even think I think they're almost counting on that happening. Like I think the last straw would be if they can't work out something with the uh, the sun.
So can we come up with a more beleaguered franchise ever in any other sport that hung around this long? Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah. The Montreal Expos when they were playing in Puerto Rico. Yeah. Yeah, I guess the Expos were a good example of it for a while. But man, we haven't seen anything to the lengths of this though. This is but the Tampa, the Tampa Bay Rays are the oh well okay right now how about the Oakland A's I mean they've completely gutted that franchise of any good player yeah. they're basically playing a Triple A team waiting for the ability to move to Las Vegas because that's apparently right. where they're going to move I mean that's right. they don't even have a stadium waiting for them no I know no. that unless they're going to play where the fifty ones play which I don't know if it's Major League quality i don't know well they could fit the six thousand people that go to the oakland a's games right now they anything more than that they could get away and and russ they played in buffalo they played in a twenty thousand seat triple a stadium because of covid so anything goes when it comes to the a's or the tampa bay rays or the coyotes it's well, just the rays there's something happening with the rays now like they're either going to get a new lease or they are going to finally get a new place i was reading some something the other day don't you remember, don't you remember release, though I before the pandemic they were talking about splitting games with the, with montreal i know but i guess maybe you know the city got worried um so maybe they're going to try and keep them there yeah all right that's that's enough for today <laughs> <laughs> we'll be we'll be back on monday with another edition of the hockey buzzcast for kevin allen for russ cohen i'm michael jello thank you for watching and remember without the buzz it's just hockey